Today on the show, traveling for the holidays is stressful for anybody, but when you have a disability, it's so much worse. Plus, it's all the news from this week in accessibility. Welcome to the show. I'm Des Delgadillo. And I'm Louis Doe. All right. So it is December 8th, 2023. And I'm going to put you right on the spot before we jump into the news. Have you listened to your own show yet? Yes. Really? At 2.5 speed. Oh, that's fine. I listen to my stuff pretty fast as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you listen to our show and you fall asleep to our show, we don't we don't mind that either. Yeah, it still counts as you listening. Um, you know, speaking of of putting things in faster speed. I love listening to things at faster speed. And one thing that I've found really annoying so far about the embedded podcast player, if you're listening on the website, is there's no there's no speed adjustment option. So that that's something that I'm using Red Circle to host the show. And the cool thing about Red Circle is they let you use all sorts of other third-party embeddable players. So I'm going to be experimenting with that in the next couple of days and find one that has more settings some some of the players are downright terrible though for accessibility it's like unlabeled button city yeah i from from what i know there's uh from all my research there's one player that stands out the able player but it it would be really nice if there was um, competition in this space you know yeah i would i would take it all right let's jump into the news for this week the supreme court threw out a case this week that centers around ada testers and they're standing. Okay, so in 2020, Deborah Lawfer sued Atchison Hotels. She alleged that information about accessible rooms was not present on the website. That, that would be things like if the room is accessible for somebody who is hearing impaired, or if, um, you know, just knowing if you can get in and out of the bathtub, and in some cases, you know, even being able to get on and off of your bed. So the hotel argued back saying that since Lawfer had no intention of actually staying at the hotel, she didn't have standing to sue. See, Deborah Lawfer is what's referred to as an ADA tester. She files lawsuits against companies who fail to meet ADA guidelines. And now the court threw that case out for a number of reasons. Lawfer actually rescinded the case earlier this year after learning that the hotels weren't even operating anymore, along with some unpleasant charges levied against her attorneys. So I remember, I think I saw one of the justices even using the the quote, dead as a doornail to, to describe the case at one point. But the case poses a really interesting question when it comes to civil rights. Because testers like Deborah Lawfer have, ex have existed long before the ADA existed, right? I was learning that during the 60s, they would use white civil rights testers and they would bring them on to compare how housing companies, housing firms, sold more houses to white customers versus black customers. And then they were able to sue these companies on the grounds of violating the civil rights. So I guess it depends on how you think about civil rights with respect to accessibility, right? Like if you think that, if you're like me and you think that accessibility online is a civil right in the year 2023, just because everything is online now, uh, then I think you're gonna you're gonna want to see more more action when it comes to this case or cases like it. I think this case, since it was thrown out, it's not really gonna set much of a precedent. And 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 this is the part where I remind you that neither Lewis or I are lawyers, unless Lewis is hiding something from me. Not a lawyer. 
Okay, cool. Do you have any thoughts about the case and just how it's affecting people who, who whose livelihood is um, testing websites like this and just the people that, that that's affecting in the long run? I, I am looking at it from a different view. So I'm looking at it from, I'm looking at the industry that we're shedding a light on here, which is the hospitality travel industry, right? Right. And and this industry has always been very re- reluctant to embrace people with disabilities. It, it also reminds me of the other super, uh, Supreme Court case, the um, the Domino's one in uh, 2017. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, it, it, you know, just speaking off memory and from the advantage point as uh, an accessibility uh, tester um, and consultant, but not a lawyer. It's it's very interesting that we that I guess we all could agree that it's important to be able to order a pizza online, but it's not important for us to travel outside of our homes. Yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting point. It's like um, pulling teeth when it comes to finding out if you even have these accessibility options open to you. Later in the show, we're going to talk about traveling and kind of how how intense that experience can be when you have a disability but just i used to work as an event planner and i can tell you just trying to book accommodations and 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 procure room blocks and stuff like that trying to find out if if certain hotels and very popular hotels that you have definitely stayed at trying to find out if they have accessibility accommodations it's like pulling teeth it's like it's like i'm trying to sit these people in a dentist chair and drill into their teeth and get out information. It's it's infuriating. And so mm-hmm. I'm totally on, on Deborah Laffer's side in this regard. I'm sorry that uh, so many extenuating circumstances forced her to pull her case. Because I, th- I think this could have been a really important, like, um, I think the law word is precedent. Although don't don't quote me on that. I'm not. As much as my mother would like me to be, I am I'm not a lawyer and don't have any any intentions of becoming one. Or for running for the presidency, right? That, that's right. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't I don't run to anything. I think for us as people who are blind and low vision, like it, it's, we can find a lot of workarounds. Um, so, for example, calling the hotel may not be the most, uh, it, calling the hotel may not be the most pleasant experience ever. But if you get the right customer service agent, um, it it can be accomplished, right? But the thing people don't consider here is that takes time. Everyone's so used to, you know, being able to point and click. Um, but we but we still have to use, you know, 1990s technology to to get things done in a uh, 2020s kind of world. You know, it's like it's like asking somebody to to travel in a uh, in a in a horse and buggy uh, when everybody else is driving around in, in, in uh, uh, gas and electric uh, powered cars. I think beyond that, though. Um, I, I was reading and uh, I follow a, a disability rights um, a, a activist uh, and advocate online. Her name is Emily Laddow. And um, uh, in October, uh, uh, she posted something on LinkedIn and I and she she referenced the uh, inaccessibility of, of her hotel and um, and being being promised, uh, from what I remember, being promised a an accessible room, but well, she couldn't take a shower. The the shower accommodations in, in her room was not was not accessible. So 
it, it reaches a bigger like when when somebody sees this coverage um i'm i'm not entirely always happy about the way the media co uh, covers these these lawsuits because it doesn't provide you the nuance and the understanding of why accessibility is important for us it's a i would i would still consider for us booking hotels on our own as a minor convenience but you know not being able to take a shower or use the bathroom or or, or whatever when, when when you arrive there or you know god forbid being able to get on your bed safely that's a pretty damn big inconvenience that's a pretty huge inconvenience and i promise you if uh, uh just an able-bodied run-of-the-mill traveler if you go to your if you go to your room and and let's say your the bed in your room is inaccessible to you because you're five feet and the bed is six feet off the ground you wouldn't be too happy about it yeah but that's the feeling and that's the experience that many many disabled travelers get so instead so so and we all know how 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 um how taxing traveling is you got to take care of kids if you have kids you gotta pack you gotta do this you gotta do that oh and now you gotta make sure you you have a roof over your head yeah it's not easy at all and we're gonna talk a little bit more and have some first-hand experiences for the whole travel experience uh in the next segment but um let's let's move ahead because there's some more positive news in the world lewis be my ai finally came to Android this week after months of blowing away beta testers on iOS. Um, I myself have been beta testing. Have you been playing with, with the app at all? I'm also a beta tester. If you uh, dig deep enough, you may find uh, one of my uh, testimonies on uh, the uh, Be My Eyes uh, social media accounts. Ooh, Lewis fans, go to work. And uh, it's 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 uh, it's such a wonderful tool, um, and it's I'm thinking about uh, and I've been using it in ways that I've that I've never thought was was possible. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, like you're you're getting so much descriptions. Um, one of the programs that I rather dislike using is Microsoft Teams, um, and I really wanted to understand the layout of of Microsoft Teams, and I, I just took a picture of, of the window using. Uh, my eye device uh, before the, the the beta was was rolled out to Android, and it was giving me a, a description of you know the what's on the left side of the screen, what's on the right side of the screen, how things were laid out, and and spatial orientation and things like that. And that's and that's huge, and that's that's um, that's a lot of uh, info that we never had access to before, and it's a lot of info that we can leverage and use uh, in our personal and professional lives and you can ask in questions which i think is the the coolest thing I, for for me personally i've been actually trying to workshop a logo for this very podcast and have been using be my ai to describe all the different logos and like kind of dig deep and try and find out you know first we need a style and then try and get things that match that style so it's been incredibly useful to me as well not to mention um it's doctor who season again and i've been definitely using it to learn more about the new doctor's costumes lots of great lots of great uses for this fun thing but that's not all because after six years six years i i didn't that that was like a whole president ago microsoft released seeing ai for android now this app has been a part of my personal toolkit on ios for years 
and I'd pretty much written off the idea that we'd ever see it on Android. Yeah, it's the Swiss Army knife of uh oh, of uh of visual assistant uh apps, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it I think um so so for those who haven't used it, you can have images described to you, but you can also identify currency. Um you can tell if the lights are on, which for me I'm totally blind, so it's really hard to remember to turn all the lights off. I use that every day. Um because I I start my day pretty early these days. I start around four or five because I, I, uh, I, I live on the West Coast. Well, we both live on the West Coast and I work East Coast hours. Um, and uh, I, I always use that to, to make sure that the lighting conditions uh, where I am are, are, are good for uh, for video conferencing and things like that. And that it's, it's been such a it's been such a help. It's, it sounds like such a small thing, but it's but, you know, s- small things small grains of sand add add up to to become boulders right so yeah and and i'm sure again we talked about this last week there are probably many really useful apps out there on android that will mimic this functionality but we don't know what they are because they're so fragmented there's so many people using all sorts of different versions of the app or, or they have different names so it's cool to have a leader like microsoft finally move this app over to android and people who are using it can actually finally get that same benefit and knowing that you're working with a company at least that is committed to continually updating the app it's it's constantly getting updates on on iOS i haven't used it in a little while actually i think and this this leads into the next topic as well as good as the images used to be on seeing ai i feel like be my ai has kind of eclipsed that what do you think BeamAI has eclipsed a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of tools that we've we've grown uh, to know and love, uh, and and not in a bad way. Um, the way I'm looking at uh, BeamAI is just another piece to the to the toolkit um, because i'm not always going to need the detail the level of detail that be my ai can give right sometimes i just need seeing ai to read me uh you know my mail to make sure that i'm not being um you know audited by the irs or something <laughs> right I, I don't i don't need i don't need be my my ai for that but i think the fact that be my ai is now rolling out to android uh, by the way, if you're on uh, Android and, and you don't and you have the Be My Eyes app downloaded and you don't see it, it it will roll out to you eventually. Um, these things do take time, so if if you don't see it, it's it, it you know we're not lying and you are probably not doing something wrong. Um, but the the interesting thing here to me is we have Seeing AI on on iOS and Android now. We have Be My A uh, Be My AI on iOS and Android as well. And we also have Google Lookout on Android. Let me ask you, am I doing something wrong on Google Lookout? Or is it just taking a long time for them to roll out the AI Q&A feature? Because I remember they were talking that up almost six months ago. I think they're just rolling it out. I, I need to check mine. If I need to check mine. Um, it's taking yeah, a long time. I think there, there are ways to push it through uh, too. So we'll, we, should, we should both look into that together. Um, but I think the the cool thing here is that all the big tech companies are are taking an interest in in visual interpretations. Um, 
and 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 how to translate uh, visual information accessibly. And each each group, each entity is is doing it slightly different. Um, even the interfaces between the three apps that we're talking about, uh, seeing AI, seeing AI lookout and, and be my eye slash be my AI, all, all are, are, they're different. They, they, they have different philosophies and, and they do different things and they flex into different roles. And as, as a, a blind and low vision user, choice is something that we, we haven't always received, you know, um, uh, it's it's funny because it doesn't neither here nor there. But I, uh, a couple months ago in a in a professional situation, somebody some somebody said to me, "Oh, like I want to use a different word processor because Google Docs is just so bland, so boring." And I'm and I, and my my mind couldn't process that because I was just thinking, "I'm I'm just happy it's accessible because it was it wasn't accessible for so long." <laughs> And everybody wanted to use it. I remember when I was in college, everyone was doing the Google Doc and I had to do everything in Word and then upload it to, to the drive. And it was just not fun. But I, I do remember that. And then if, and then if, you're, if you can't check your own formatting yep. or for whatever reason, you, you load up a document and you show it to somebody and it looks like a whole disaster. And they, you know, it just becomes a, a really vicious cycle. Well, uh, speaking about Google earlier, we don't know too much about what is happening right now, but they just announced this week something called Gemini. The AI can supposedly be a direct competitor to GPT-4. I watched a few videos where Gemini beat GPT-4 in a number of tasks, but just keep all this with a grain of salt. This is really early times. And once Gemini is released into the wild on December 14th, I think assessments may come back down to earth. But this isn't directly tied into accessibility, but I promise you it will be very soon. Well, I would disagree with that. I, I think it does tie into accessibility, whether we, we acknowledge it uh, explicitly or not, because there are so many people using JAT GPT for accessibility, right? So uh, if, if, if Google is also going to com uh, compete for a slice of the accessibility market, which... Uh, there's really no reason they wouldn't be, then you're you're gonna see um folks flexing Gemini in into into those realms too. Yeah, I mean just the way they it they said that Bard will soon have Gemini, um, at least the medium tier of Gemini built into it. I think it's called Gemini Pro. And um I mean Bard already has your Gmail and your YouTube and your drive built in. So just the 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 difference between GPT-4 and, and uh, ChatGPT versus BARD, I think is there's we're still going to be using both of those ecosystems pretty differently, right? Because Google, like mm -hmm. we said, at least in my in my experience, has everything that I've done. I, I live out of the drive. I live out of Gmail and I live out of calendar. So like using that in conjunction with the AI that Google's going to have, I think is going to be incredibly convenient. But then over at the ChatGPT side, that's where I do like, and I I don't know if this is an indictment on Bard or if you feel the same way, but this is where I do all of my like writing work, my collaborative. Yeah, work. I feel the same way. Yeah, and I don't know what that is but about Bard. You bring up a great point here, and uh, I want to head back to the the idea of choice because we have choices now, right? And we have tools in our toolbox. And the thing is, if if all your tools are hammered, 
if, if, if every tool in your toolbox is a hammer, then all your solutions look like nails, right? And it's, and it's very, it's very pleasing that we have wrenches now in our toolbox rather than just hammers. By the way, I know nothing about tools. Yeah, so if a wrench isn't a tool, don't, don't, don't. I'm pretty sure a advice. wrench is a tool. <laughs> There's also an Allen wrench, but I don't know who Allen is. Okay. British Airways announces accessibility improvements for deaf passengers. The airline has partnered with SIGCODE UK to further improve its accessibility offerings for deaf and hard of hearing customers. Changes being implemented include new signed video content containing various helpful travel information being made available to customers, both pre-travel and while on board. This is this is to me showing my own ignorance as because again, I, I like to say that I'm I'm in the thick of accessibility. Um, I didn't know this was a problem in the UK. I didn't either. So I'm glad that this is being taken care of. I'm sure SIGCODE is getting a big chunk of money from British Airways to make this happen. And I wonder if there was any litigation that made this happen or any threat of litigation. I don't know how the courts work over there. So I can't comment, but I'm just really happy to see stuff like this come across my newsfeed. And I, I, I go through a thought process of this was a problem and I'm glad somebody is putting money into the problem. The last thing today was a fun one that I wanted to bring up because it is the holidays. We are shopping for stocking stuffers and in my family, we're getting stocking stuffers for all the kids, but I keep reminding my fiance that we need to remember our little dog as well. Now, Stephen Aquino over at Forbes interviewed one of the founders of Halo, and that's a company that sells an accessible pet collar. Now, hold on to your microphone there, Lewis, because this device is $699 with an app on iOS and Android. It uses GPS and Wi-Fi connectivity in order to build a virtual geofence around the dog. In this way, the Halo Collar becomes an assistive technology in so far as it helps people with limited mobility better care for their dogs. For $700 though. All right, well, that's the news for this week. We're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk about traveling with disabilities. This week for our big segment, I wanted to chat about traveling during the holidays. Uh, well, not specifically during the holidays, but since the holidays are coming up, I think it's a really good time to talk about it because a lot of us will be going to, to either to visit family or friends or just to get away. Um, so this is a story that kind of sparked this for me, Lewis. Air Canada left the Chief Accessibility Officer of Canada's of the whole country of Canada. Her name is Stephanie Cadu. They actually left her wheelchair behind Oops. when she went on a flight. And this, this happened like last month. And I remember there was like a big social media breakdown about it. Um, it hit me that A, she is literally the Chief Accessibility Officer of this country and stuff like this is happening to her. Um, the same kinds of things that are happening to people that we know personally. And I, I wanted to kind of, you know, because I cringed a little bit. And I just kind of wanted to jump in and, and talk about those stories. Do you have any any horror stories or any positive stories uh, from traveling? Horror stories? Uh, too many to count. Uh, the last one was a, a flight attendant trying to take away my cane. What? Uh, yeah. 
I I I I don't know why. Wasn't bothering anyone. And she's like, Oh, but you know, we need to put it away for you. And I'm like, No, no you don't. don't. This thing folds, lady. Yeah, she's like, but you're not a but you, you she was trying to like quote me the you know that little announcement they give uh bags under the seat and you can only have one item on you and she's like that counts so we need to take it away from you that's horrible and yeah i was not i mean it was it was the short flight so i i i handed it over but i did not handed hand my cane over uh in a very willing manner so let's back up for a little bit because traveling is really stressful for people with a disability but it's 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 stressful for everyone but i want to show you how it can get compounded so first of all traveling requires it, it's a project right to plan out a travel you're, you're probably looking up things like uh nearby restaurants or fun tours or, or gift shops that sort of thing but when you have a disability it's much more intense because you're looking up info like accessible bathrooms making sure your hotel rooms are ada accessible which how we just talked about in the last segment isn't always on the website so now you're having to call these people and hope they know what you're talking about. And that's all assuming you make it past the first big obstacle for disabled travelers, the airport. Airports have always been a nightmare for people with disabilities. There are stories of TSA agents demanding people take their harnesses off their guide dogs. There are other stories about people with feeding tubes and you have to have bags of liquids in order to survive. These stories have people getting patted down. They're having their holes where their tubes are unsuited searched. I mean, it's unsanitary. Mm -hmm. It's infuriating. Yeah. I mean, these things are, are they're unreal. It, it, it even gets to the point where there are people who literally have watched baggage handlers destroy their wheelchairs and, and mobility equipment on, on the tarmac because they just throw them. Right there, I've I've heard from uh, travelers with mobile uh, mobility impairments, who, uh, as as part of their planning, they wear adult diapers because they know that the chance of finding an accessible bathroom is is uh it's a toss of a dice. You know that's incredibly hurtful. Yeah, I I can totally imagine that, especially because I have not actually flown like a really long distance. I think the longest I've ever flown is like five hours. The longest I've flown was like 18 hours. That's right, because you went to England. Uh, that was 10 hours, but I, I I went to Vietnam before. Oh, okay. And and that's like a like a 15-hour flight to Taiwan and then a three-hour overlay and then a three- or four-hour flight into a, into Vietnam. Yeah, good luck and holding that, it for that long. Yeah, and that's that's a lot to deal with. And people shouldn't have to hold it. And that's what Congress thankfully decided. So this is from NPR. Congress in 2018 uh, issued the FAA Reauthorization Act, and that told airlines and the TSA to fix air travel problems like these and demanded more training, better and faster service, and taking better care of equipment such as wheelchairs. The act required the TSA to add training for how to handle the different needs of passengers with disabilities one in four at uh excuse me one in four u.s adults has a disability according to the center for disease control and prevention and to understand various disabilities requires comprehensive and repeated training but the key there is that tsa actually has to follow through 
on that training, right? It's been five years and we're still hearing stories about this. And keep in mind, there was an Air Carrier Access Act passed in 1986. So how much progress really have we made in in the in the uh, field of travel and hospitality for people who have disabilities? There was one more thing in the NPR article that I forgot to read that I thought was pretty interesting. And uh, the training for the TSA that Congress was mandating includes five and a half hours of instruction on screening people with disabilities and medical conditions. What if you're just not at work that day? You know, like, how are we enforcing this kind of training? I'm just thinking out loud. I don't work there. And it's just, there's really no guarantee that you're not going to meet as a disabled traveler. There's really no guarantee that you're not going to meet somebody who's having a bad day. And they, and then they're going to decide that you're going to be the one they take it out on. And please don't ever tell me, oh, people did with nobody picks on people with disabilities. Please don't ever tell me that because we, we, we all know that's true. Not true. There are some stories about, um, oh, I think I mentioned it earlier about this one lady had to have her guide dog's harness taken off because the TSA agents were being hostile about it. Mm -hmm. So not only did she take the harness off, of course, if you take the harness off the guide dog, he's just going to be a dog. So he started running all over the airport. Yeah. Guess who got blamed for that? This, this lady who was trying to warn them in advance. But keep in mind, she is somebody with an actual guide dog, you know, a certified guide dog with all the training and everything like that. But then there are people out there who are getting uh, fake doctor's notes to bring their little puppies on, on board. So... Yeah, let's not let, let's let's really get our priorities straight here, right? Like there like people with disabilities should not be punished because we decide that it's our weekend to fly out of state to visit family. It shouldn't feel like tra travel shouldn't feel like let's go through uh, uh Dante's uh circle of hell. You know the 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 nine levels of hell. Sorry, I, Don Quixote is uh, escaping me right now. But let's not let's not go through Dante's uh, uh, circle of hell at, uh, to to reach um, uh, your ultimate destination. If, if if you're if you're willing to get hazed by by airport employees, TSA agents, and and whatever else, then you might get where you're going. <laughs> I have a pretty sad and, and just frustrating airport story to share. Um, it was one of my first times flying on my own. Um, I got to the, I, I got there with time to spare, honestly, to the TSA checkpoint. And they stopped me because I had a Braille sense Polaris, uh, note taker. And I think everybody knows what that looks like. It's, it's just a little black box with six Braille typing keys and a Braille display. Wait, you had the U2, didn't you? Um, well, I've had both. I don't know. I could have had either one at that time. I had that in my bag. I wasn't even wearing it. And they brought it out. They demanded that I take the battery off, which started a whole other issue because I never learned how to take the battery off that model of Braille Sense. I don't think it's even possible. So they delayed me for a long time. I assume thinking that somehow my braille device was a threat to america or I, I don't know but by the time that i got to the plane 
doors had closed and I had to wait six hours before I got another plane to go visit you, in so, fact, in um, San so, Francisco. So, yeah, Desmond wasn't, or Des wasn't the only one who had to wait for six <laughs> hours because I had to wait for six hours because I, I went to the airport to make him up. Uh, and as we all know, uh, arranging uh, transportation wasn't all wasn't that easy. So it was either go back home and then thirty minutes later drive back to pick you up, or hang out there for, for six hours. What did, so, what did you? I don't yeah. think I ever asked you. What did you do for all that time? I I had some work to do, and and uh, another friend of ours joined us after. Remember? Yes. Yeah. So I I, I found ways to to fill my time, but. That was I. It wasn't. It wasn't what I expected to do that day. And this is a good advocacy moment because during the time that six-hour stretch when I was waiting for my plane to arrive, um, so a supervisor from the airline actually came up to me and asked, you know, if 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 I was okay and if I had any sort of distress. And I said, no, it's fine. I have to wait for, or you know, I'll just wait for my plane. But I could have, you know, I could have started something there, I think. And, and I could have probably gotten, um, if if not like free airline tickets or something like that, I could have definitely gotten the ball rolling on on some sort of, of justice for people who are going to go through something like that. But it was a really different time for me. So I was kind of more of like not wanting to rock the boat. And that's one of the yeah. things I wish I could go back and just make myself, you know, because that, that was horrible. It was humiliating. Yeah, but there's there's definitely two, two two thoughts on that, right? Like you, in the moment when you're going through stress, to to expect someone to to have their advocacy hat on at that time is not. I don't think that's a fair expectation. Um, but of course, like it's it's always hindsight's always twenty twenty. It's like I wish I could always handle that advocacy situation differently. I wish I could have done that accessibility thing differently. Um. But it's it. But again, it shouldn't. Why do we have to think about these things uh, in order to have a bit of fun? It doesn't. It 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 didn't. It was not fun waiting for you at the airport. That's just tell you that. Yeah, I I don't blame you. Yeah, I'm glad you did wait. By the way. Yeah, you wouldn't get <laughs> you wouldn't get home otherwise. Or <laughs> to where we were. So. Well. Um, we have one last story to share that um, was sent in from our friend Carrie over at Carrie on Accessibility, the YouTube channel. I recommend you check that out. She was really candid with this story, so I, I do appreciate it. She says, about seven years ago, I was traveling from North Carolina to Detroit for the holidays. I had a three-month-old baby with me, and they forced me to use a wheelchair. They informed me that they would not serve or help me if I did not get in the wheelchair with my son and used safety as an excuse. They also informed me that they would need to take my son away from me and carry him for me if I would not. It was an absolutely horrific time for me as a new mom. How could they even think of taking my son, my baby, away from me? How could they expect a mom of an infant to hand over their baby to a perfect stranger? I couldn't believe my ears. It infuriated me, and I recall the memory that fury still bubbles up. I'm sure that they would not have even dreamed of making such a suggestion to a passenger without disabilities. That's heartbreaking. I don't, I, I always complain about they're, they're, they try to make me sit in a wheelchair. 
I'm I'm a I can be intimidating if I want to, right? I can bully my way into I'm not going to sit in this chair. I can walk, right? And I've had to raise my voice and be intimidating. Um when you're a mom, you have a child and and there's so many horror stories already of people taking their children from disabled parents. I mean, it, it's 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 at a point where you're you're at somebody's mercy now. And being at somebody's mercy when it's kind of disguised as kindness or safety or any other bs excuse you like you have like in 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 those situations it's also very insulting too and it's it's very hard to like you're not given a lot of choice of of discussion if you don't get in the chair we take your kid away well what choice did you leave me yeah there was nothing there for me to choose if you don't get in a chair, you don't board your flight. What choice did you leave me? And I and one airport employee told me once that the reason uh, we do this, we know you don't, we know you guys don't like it, but the reason we do it is it's easier to keep track of you. Wow. So so like a number on a spreadsheet. Well, as well, more than that, a piece of luggage. Yeah. So you know, it's it's how do we how do we ask i i guess the 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 big dilemma here the big challenge here um just stripping everything back and, and getting all the emotions out of the way and everything like that is the how do we get the assistance that we need in order in order to travel independently but also you know appreciate the people who um who uh who do the right things appreciate the right assistance appreciate the people who go above and beyond to treat us um with dignity and respect when we're in public that's right and any thoughts on that there are some absolutely incredible people out there make it out like like everybody who we encounter in our travels is horrible and ableist but there are actually some wonderful people out there who are kind and and patient and will ask what before assuming and it's sadly refreshing when that happens because we experience so much of the other thing and you're right Mm -hmm. it's it's i think it just comes back down at least when we're talking about the airport i think it comes back down to revisiting this whole training that tsa people have to go through because i don't i personally don't think five and a half hours is enough it's going to go one ear in one ear out the other ear it's it, oh today's disability day you know like it, that's how i'm imagining the the reaction at, at tsa training and extend that out i mean we need to be giving that same level of education to people who run hotels we were talking earlier about the lady who was suing the hotel because they didn't have their accessible accommodations on the website there are still so many hotels that are so well known that don't have this information and if you call and try and get the information you're going to get transferred to this person and that person and when that happens they're just handing you off because they don't know what you're asking and that that stops that stops with training in my opinion well the thing is when people talk about train like the the uh as we discussed in in last week's podcast education and training are are two things we do find important but they are only a piece of the picture. You're not looking at the whole picture, right? Okay, we just had the training, but now there's no accountability. You don't have an accessibility person 
on your team. You don't have an accessibility team. Um, accessibility uh, isn't built into your yearly or in your annual plan. You don't have accessibility goals. Then whether you're the government, which moves at the speed of, uh, of a turtle, or you are a, a big hotel chain that moves quicker because you need profit, if you're not looking at the entire picture of what uh, disab uh, disability rights and accessibility actually means, then we're all just spinning our wheels. Every every year, you're going to come up with, up with a new training. Every every five years, you may come up with a new training. You, you may cycle people in and out. You may you may have a, a campaign uh, uh, dedicated to Global Accessibility Awareness Day. But if you're not looking at the whole picture and you're not building out your program, then you're just spinning your wheels over and over and over. Yeah, and that that that's a great message. I think we're going to end on. I really am sending out all of my my great vibes to anybody who's going to be traveling this holiday season. Um, just remember, uh, you are your own person, and your autom your autonomy is important. And I just I know it's hard, like we talked about earlier, to keep that advocacy hat on, but just make note of the way you're treated and start to think about how that can change and how we can start to fix that. And even if it's a small way, I think eventually it's going to scale because we, this has been going on for too long and it's, it's just, yeah, right. it's, it's too much. On the other side of that, I can't stress enough um, to show your appreciation, especially during the holidays and, and the beginning of 2024, when, when a lot of folks are traveling, if you get good assistance um, at the airport, you get great customer service at a hotel, you get you get a nice um, uh, room like your room met all your expectations and and it was completely accessible. You know, treat those treat those customer service people with dignity and respect and um, and if you can even throw them some some monetary uh, compensation, tip them. Right, the service industry keeps the societal engine running. And when we get good service as people with disabilities, I think we need to celebrate that. And, and those people need to be recognized because it's so easy. It's so easy. We, we just spent, I don't know what, like the last 10 minutes, you know, detailing how, how the, the, the negative experiences, but, but it's so easy not to talk about the good ones, you know? So keep everything in balance and, uh, and you'll, you'll do great during your travels. All right, when we come back, we're going to send you on your way with our accessibility wins and fails for the week. Yes. All right, before we get out of here, we're going to share our accessibility wins and our accessibility fails for the week. I'm going to get my negativity out of the way and start first. So this week, I've started uploading more videos to YouTube, and the auto captions that I've observed on YouTube are horrible. I mean, I've heard things about them in the past, but I did not realize how bad these things were. They they transcribe an entire video as one sentence. There are no punctuation marks. There are no commas. It is awful. So I immediately started looking for something to do because I want, pe I want everybody to be able to watch my videos. Um, so thankfully, Whisper API, back to the rescue you're able to upload the audio of the video and 
it takes it, it does it in real time so it's not the speediest thing in the world but when it's done not only does it come back with a text file of the transcribed audio it gives you a uh, an srt file which i had no idea what that was but i, I looked it up and it is a time-coded subtitle file that you match up with your YouTube video, and it does that automatically for you. So if anybody is struggling for a caption solution, right there, man. OpenAI's Whisper, so good and very easy to use. Very, very minimal coding knowledge. So check it out. Lewis, what do you got for us? Thank you, Negative Nancy. Uh, we're going to go to the win portion of the show. Uh, which is the release of Max Sonoma 14.2 is about to come out. And there's great news for people who are uh, on Mac uh, because recently posted on AppleVis, uh, which we will link the article to the show notes, the busy Safari bug may be solved in Sonoma 14.2. This bug, okay, this is why I left Mac. I hate this bug. And it was one of these things that you cannot, no matter what website you go to, you can't pinpoint what is causing this. Like I would I would be fine if I learned that, oh, there's just one one type of website and there's like a certain type of code injection that makes Safari wig out. But this is everywhere. Gmail, Google search, even Apple pages. So I left. I went back to Windows. I haven't looked back. Uh, is that why you left too? I also left for that reason. That was one of the big reasons. Um, and speaking to that, in the article, um, the, the person who uh, wrote the article, his name is David Goodwind. Um, he also stopped recommending uh, Mac OS as an accessible solution because you couldn't be productive on it it's the proprietary screen reader man like i mean it's the not the you know it's the proprietary it's a the default proprietary screen, screen reader, reader. <laughs> on the browser that the company makes that's the most frustrating part yeah, of it's all. the only screen it's the only screen reader on mac <laughs> it, it it's the only screen reader on mac that can't work with the default browser on mac you know so frustrating <laughs> Oh, come on, Vosh. I'm rooting for you. Seriously. But but I'm gr I'm glad to yeah. see that because um if, if that actually ends up coming into the public release, man, I might I might reconsider it because I'm always watching those those keynotes and seeing all the cool new things that the Macs have. And I want to play with those things, but I, I I'm not gonna drop two thousand dollars on something that is gonna work like 40% of the time. That's that's not for me. I have a Mac here for accessibility testing uh purposes, but that's that's all it gets used for. It uh and it's a beautiful machine. It's a it's a thin MacBook Air and I and I and I've always found the MacBook Air to be very uh attractive um devices. They I, I really like their form factors, they're you can toss them in a bag. Uh, they they're powerful. They 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 do. They're they're really perfect machines in, in in many aspects of it. But if I keep on hearing busy 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 busy, I I can't do anything. So as as perfect as that hardware is, and and as I as much as I give Apple uh kudos for making wonderful hardware, 
I, I just couldn't do it anymore. So if uh, when the uh, when the official release of Sonoma uh, 14.2 comes out and we've determined uh, that it is true that the busy bug has been solved in the wild, I will be spending more time on the Mac. Me too, probably. That's going to do it for this week in accessibility. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Lewis, tell the people goodbye. Stay classic. Time for the credits. The research was done by myself and Lewis Doe. The music was produced by Kevin McLeod and is called Roland at Five, thanks to Incompetech.com. The statements and opinions expressed on this podcast are personal and do not reflect the views or policies of our employers, partners, or other associated third-party entities. Talk to you next week. Bye.